we're in our ongoing study of the glories of heaven. I never imagined it's going on this long, but uh, we're continuing to go through. And I think we're approaching the end, but uh, have some important considerations and things to study. And so we want to continue doing that tonight. So these are some of the things that we've covered so far. And we're on this last one. Last time we talked about cremation. Tonight we want to talk about partial salvation now and full salvation later. So I think we know it, know this. I've been saying saying it on and on, over and over again, I should say, as we've been going through this study, that when we talk about our salvation, we talk about receiving Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins, we tend to have the idea in our mind that that's kind of, we receive the whole package right at the beginning. But that we don't. We have a, I mean, we're fully saved, so I don't want to come across as saying that partial salvation is uh, just kind of a, you know, portion of the work or something like that. I guess maybe in a sense it is. But um, the salvation that we have now is just going to get better and better and better as we go, you know, on into eternity. Uh, in other words, what we have now is just kind of the beginning of what we're going to get later. Now, if nothing else, when we consider our salvation, we look at our salvation and we are transformed now by Jesus Christ, and the forgiveness of sins comes upon us by the blood of Jesus. The Spirit of God comes within us, and yet we continue to go on in this flesh, right? So this is our current experience of salvation, but there's coming a day when we will rise again from the dead, and we will have a glorified body like Jesus' glorified body. And that day of our salvation will be better than this day of our salvation. So there is a greater day in our salvation to look forward to coming down the road. So, in other words, there is this growth, maybe we could say it that way, there's this growth in salvation that we're experiencing now. Maybe like a child who is born as a baby and the baby just grows into adulthood throughout its lifetime. I think there's going to be a growth within our salvation as we move on into eternity. So, Partial, partial salvation now, full salvation later. Now we, we know um, when we consider Jesus Christ and what he has done for us, verses like this, and the New Testament is full of them. In Titus chapter 2, verse 14, talking about Jesus, he gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Now this verse kind of puts it into the context of where we are now, and we know that because of the very last phrase, zealous for good works. That is what is to characterize our salvation now. So this verse refers to our salvation and to our experience of salvation in this life, on this earth, right now. We have been saved from all of our lawless deeds. He has purified us. He has made us his special people, praise the Lord. And now... As a result, we are zealous for good works. In other words, it's like, I can't wait to be about the business of God, right? I can't wait to do the things of God. And that ought to be kind of our motivation and our drive day in and day out, to serve Jesus Christ. There's another passage I want us to turn to, and I don't have a slide for it because it's a little bit longer, but 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. And in this verse, it talks about our salvation that is yet to come. So I want to read through this verse, beginning in verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 
It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, in this verse, there are some things that are mentioned that refer to the future of our salvation. And what are some of those things? What do you see in this verse that points to the future aspect of our salvation that we do not yet have or possess now? Yes, what's incorruptible? Our inheritance. Our inheritance, we have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away. And we know this is future because of the next word, which is what? Reserved in heaven for you. So, we haven't made it to heaven yet. Uh, this is not heaven on earth, as great as it might be. But uh, there is a time in which we will enter into the presence of of the Lord, it is to an inheritance which is incorruptible and undefiled, and it is reserved for us. So nobody can touch it, nothing can happen to it. It is there for us. And this is a future aspect or a future a glimpse of our future salvation or the a part of our salvation. And then notice it says at the end, it says, um, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation. So we're talking about salvation, which is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, again, the point here is that there is a part of our salvation which is yet to occur or yet to happen. There is a part of our salvation which we will uh, take hold of in the future, down the road. So, we are saved now, praise the Lord, fully and completely, but the expression or the manifestation of the salvation will continue to get better and better and better all the way up to the return of Christ and beyond, and uh, we can experience the fullness of his salvation when he comes. So, there's a, another great verse there. Let's look at Revelation, I mean, at John chapter 5, John chapter 5, and this is what I said a moment ago, referring to our resurrection. I want to look at this, this great passage here, John chapter 5, beginning of verse 25. I'm going to start in verse 24. So John 5, verse 24. It says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I do not seek my own, uh, my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. So there's coming a day in which... Jesus will proclaim with a loud voice, 
and his voice will be like the voice that went forth when he raised Lazarus from the dead. Remember what he said? Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus heard that and came forth. He came back to life. But this will be a little bit different because this is not just coming back to life in the old body like Lazarus did. This will be the resurrection of life unto eternal life. Jesus will shout and all of the dead will come forth from the graves. Uh, Almost like a zombie apocalypse, right? Except this will be living, not dead. Coming forth uh, in, unto life. And it's not just the believers who will come forth. Everybody who has ever lived will come forth and rise again. Those who believe, like us, will come forth to life everlasting. And those who do not believe will come forth to life um, uh, unto uh, judgment and destruction. Okay? All right. So... Partial salvation now, uh, it's only going to get better from here on out. Better and better and better. What's that hymn that we sing? Well, we haven't sung it here in a long time, but what's that hymn? Sweeter and sweeter. Uh, sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Is that, is that how it goes? Sweeter as the days go by. Yeah. So that's uh, not only referring to our, I mean, the song refers to our uh, relationship to Jesus, but. Uh, we could apply that also to our salvation. It gets better and better from here on out. Okay, any questions about our salvation? Partial now, full later. Any questions about that? Okay, now for now we kind of shift gears a little bit, and this is a uh, these are some questions we're going to take time to address for the rest of the evening. Questions that have been coming up. It looks like flowers in the bottom right-hand corner, right? Well, those are people reunited in heaven, so you can't really see it. I should have made it a lot larger. <laughs> but no, that's not some uh, beautiful arrangement of flowers in the bottom right-hand corner. Those are people. I, I looked up. I tried to find pictures of being reunited in heaven, so I, I found this one. I thought it was a nice one, but uh, came out a little small. So the question is, will we recognize our loved ones in eternity? Now, why is this important? Why, why is this such an important consideration? Whether or not we'll be able to recognize our loved ones in heaven. Anybody? We want to see them again? I mean, we're sad when they leave. Right. Yeah, what else? Why is this important to us? It, uh, it kind of gives us hope and comfort, right? That their death right now is not the end. That there will be a, you know, a reuniting with them. And that, of course, helps us to, to move through their loss. And that we can rejoice um, in, in the hope that we will see them. And in uh, 1 Thessalonians, it says that as Christians, we do not... We do not mourn or sorrow like the world sorrows at the passing of our loved ones in Christ because we have this hope that we will see them. So it is important for us, or one of the important things, that we will be reunited to our loved ones. It provides hope and comfort here. And so we want to answer the question. So what are some of the things that we can uh, consider? First of all, when we pass we will maintain our identities in eternity. We will maintain our identities in eternity. Now what that means is 
that we're not going to all just kind of be blended into the one whole. We're not going to get swallowed up in the great ohm of the universe. You all know what I'm talking about. You know how the, the Eastern religions, they just sit down and cross their legs and they ohm, ohm. And, and the idea is to use that word or that expression or that breath as it's coming out in order to join yourself into all of the rest of the universe that is around you and to become uh, one with the universe. So that's a kind of Eastern mysticism, and it's a new agey that everything is one and everything is connected, and, you know, we just kind of all, it's like getting put into a blender and you just all become the one of something. That's not what it's like. This is not what eternity is like. Um... There is a maintaining identity. So you are going to be you for all of eternity. And that's a good thing for each one of us. Now, why is that a good thing? It is a good thing because God made us, each one of us. He made us. And if he made us, then we are good and beautiful and perfect in his sight. And he will make us like that and identify us like that and keep us like that for all of eternity. So you are special. He made you. You have a purpose that is, a, that is attached to who you are, and you are, will be you for all of eternity. So we do not lose our identity. We see this in Scripture from a number of passages. Now, this is kind of obvious, but I, I think it's important just to understand that there's a distinction between what we teach as Christianity and what the rest of the world and the false religions teach with respect to what happens to the dead. So in Matthew chapter 17, verses 3 and 4, it says, Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, this is on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had gone up to the mountain, and he took uh, Peter, James, and John with him, and Moses and Elijah appeared. And there are three distinct people who appear there on the mountain because Peter wants to make three shelters. So this is not just kind of some uh, symbolic light in the sky and Moses, I mean, and Peter is having this kind of, well, Moses is the law and Elijah is the prophets and Jesus is the new covenant. And here we have the three and, and uh, this represents all of God's economy and and so it's just kind of a metaphorical appearance and not a real appearance. But this is not how the reading of the passage goes. Peter is up there. He sees three people, and he, in his uh, ignorance of what to say, he wants to build three little shelters for them. So the point is, we have Moses, we have Elijah, and we have Jesus transfigured before Peter. They maintain their identity. They are, they are distinct, and they are identifiable. Another passage, Matthew chapter 22, verse 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. So here, in this response <clears throat> concerning um, these people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the fact that Jesus says that God is not a God of the dead, but of the living, points to Ab the life of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, as separate and unique and distinct individuals that lived historically in the past, that continued to live at the time of Jesus, that continue to live even to this day.
All right, separate, three separate, unique, and distinct individuals that we can read about in the Bible. Luke chapter 16, verses 22 and 23. So this is this parable that Jesus told concerning Lazarus and the rich man. So it was that the beggar died, Lazarus, and it was carried, not Lazarus, the Lazarus that he raised from the dead. This is just Lazarus in the story. So we want to make that distinction there. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. So the point here is that after they are dead, as Jesus is, re is telling this parable, that Lazarus and the rich man and Abraham all maintained their identities after they pass from this life. They are distinct and unique. And you remember last time we were talking about how there's some kind of connection as we move on from this life, we will not just kind of forget everything that happened to us here. There will be a, a connection to the life that we lived here for Jesus that will carry on into the future. And we see that reflected here in this passage. Um, so the rich man, because of his sins, ends up in hell. Lazarus, because of his faith, ends up in Abraham's bosom. And so there's distinct uh, identities here in distinct places here. The next verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is re revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, there, there is a unity that we experience with Jesus, right? We are one body. We looked at that on Sunday morning. And we shall be like him. Um, but in all of these expressions of being one with God, there is still this distinct uh, un uh, diversity, this uh, maintaining of our individual identities as we move on into heaven. So to, to kind of look at it from an earthly perspective, it says that when we marry, the two shall become one. So a husband and wife, they marry, they become one, and yet, you know, they just don't kind of morph and meld into, you know, one blob. They, they are one, but yet we maintain our identity. So I'm married to my wife, Christina. We are one, and yet I am me, and she is she. She is her. She is she's Christina. There we go. <laughs> and I am me. We are separate and distinct, and yet we are one in our union. And this is how it is with Christ. We accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We become one with him, and yet none of us have lost our identity. We continue to be who we are, uh, having been made by God. Now, the fact that we maintain our identity means that as we leave this life and move on into eternity, that whether we're here or in heaven or wherever we're going to be, I can come up to somebody and they will not be me, right? They will be somebody else. It will be you. And you'll be able to come up to me. And if this is true, if we all maintain our identities into, um, into eternity, then we will know our loved ones. They will be there. We will be able to go up to them. We will be able to engage them in some way. Especially as we move on into the 
the eternal state after the resurrection because we are going to be resurrected. Our bodies are going to be resurrected. And so there will be an even uh, stronger identity uh, between who we are and the next person. So we will know our loved ones. We will know many people. We will know each other, our church family. We will know each other when we get to heaven. We will know our friends. We will know others who crossed the paths of our lives and that were saved. We will be able to go up to them and recognize them and engage them in heaven. And so, yes, there is this uh, uh, being able to get to know or be reunited with the ones that we love. Now, even more than that, not only will we know the ones that we loved, so um, we maintain our identities into eternity, we will know our loved ones, but we will also know many other people, many other people. Who are some of the people that we can get to know once we get to heaven? The Well, Jesus, yes, number one, Jesus. I mean, oh, that trumps everybody else. Uh, what was the other? The apostles, yes. So we can get to know Peter and James and John and Zechariah, uh, Matthias, and I don't know, all of them. I can't even, I'm drawing a blank. And all of them, right? All, <laughs> all of them, all 12 of them. Who else can we know? Yeah, ask a question. Yeah. A connection. You mean, like, will there be electricity? Like, <laughs> Well, I... Yes. Yes. Now, why do I say that? Because this goes back to the earlier point that they're in heaven. There's still a connection or a reflection to our lives here on this earth. So I would say, yes, there's going to be a special connection with him. Just as for all of us, there's going to be an a most extra special connection with Jesus. All right, so, so I would say yes. We don't forget what happened in this life because everything that takes place and transpires in this life, we're going to see the hand of God and the grace of God at work and we are going to glorify him. And so there's going to be this memory, this remembrance of the things that have taken place in this earth, including the ones that we had special relationships with. So yes, I would say yes. Court? Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. I I I don't know the answer to the first part, but I do know that you will not feel bad for all of eternity if they're not there. Well, it's not, because, it's not because I'm not supposed to feel sad that I'm not going to feel sad. I am not going to feel sad. Why? Well, there won't be any sadness because... Right? Okay. Okay, good. Right, right. Yeah. So there's going to be a, an understanding. There's going to, to be just kind of maybe a different perspective or a different outlook on how to view these things. Um, 
But, but let's develop that further. I mean, why are we going to have a better understanding? Why are we not going to feel the sadness? What? The what? Okay, good. The, now we're getting closer. The veil is going to be off, Alan. Yes, the, good. I like that. The faith is going to become sight. So now we struggle to have faith, and, you know, we do, am I having faith? I, mean, I can't see this. I don't understand this. I'm going to go and keep going anyways. But then we'll be able, we'll understand. The veil will be removed. Our faith will have the fullest expression. We are going, we are going to understand completely. I mean, we're still going to be finite beings. We're not going to be, we're not going to be infinitely wise like God is ever. But we will have a greater understanding of the work of God and what he did in this world. And so there'll be this understanding. There's, and it'll be amazing. We're going to sit there and just going to be amazed at what God has done and just rejoice and praise the Lord. So there, there will not be the opportunity for sadness. And uh, so that's the second part of your question there. But there's still the pain now, I, I mean, in our humanity and our finiteness there is still the thought and the possibility that a loved one who passed will not be in heaven when we get there now that that scares me and there's the potential for pain that's now but when we get there all of that will be taken away and I wonder how it is that we're going to meet each other. I mean, we're not going to have cell phones. Hey, meet me in this corner of heaven, you know, in half an hour. It's not going to be like that. I, I don't know what it's going to be like. But we might be able to just kind of think it and, hey, let's meet. And then, poof, you know, here we are. Just kind of like Jesus kind of walked through the walls. And there he was in the midst of them. I think, you know, we'll be able to have this kind of com connection and communication. And there we'll be together and rejoicing. So it will be. Great. Um, so maybe it's going to be like that, but I have no idea what it's really going to be like and, and how we'll be able to uh, communicate and uh, move around and all that. But it'll be fa fantastic if um, any, you know, the life of Jesus after his resurrection while he was on the earth for 40 days, if that's an indication, you know, then it's going to be pretty amazing in that, in that day. All right. But now, in the meantime, there is still the, the sorrow and the potential. What if that person is not there? And, and I don't know how to answer that, except that, you know, we just, now we're, we have faith, and it's veiled, and we don't understand everything. And so there's this potential for sorrow. And I can feel it, too, because, you know, there are a lot of loved ones that I wonder about in my own life. Yeah, I don't know how that's. It could be that, or, you know, maybe that's part of the tears. You know, he wipes away every tear. Maybe that's part of it. Um, I don't know, but I, I do know that we will not have that pain for all of eternity. We will, we will rejoice at the great, perfect plan of God. So, all right, so uh, other people that we might meet, well, you, you know, we'll be able to meet Adam and Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi. Those are the old, some of the Old Testament. What? Mary, that's right. That's right. We get to meet Mary. That's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, all the people in the Bible that we read about, we'll be able to meet them, those who are saved anyways. And then uh, maybe many other people through, throughout history, famous believers throughout history, 
uh, we'll be able to meet them. Are there any heroes that you have in the history of the church? People that they're not, you know, after the Bible, but before us. Who are some people? Okay, I don't know who. William Hunter? I don't know who he is. Who? 19. All right, I don't know that story. But yeah, you can go meet William Hunter. William Hunter, good. Who else? Paul, yes. Anybody else you would like to meet in history? So many, huh? That's right. So, you know, all of these people throughout history, I've got a list here, but I'm not going to bore you with, uh, you know, reading through them. But all these people in history who loved the Lord, maybe they gave their life, like um, uh, like this example that we had here that Alan gave us, and uh, maybe others who were great preachers and really had an impact on, on the church. And all of these people will be able to meet them. And then we're going to meet all of those people that we never knew who were saved and I imagine that we're going to be able to engage them. We're all going to be one in the body of Christ, right? And so there's going to be some measure in which we can engage every believer in heaven. So that, what a, um, and on through eternity. So what a comfort that we can gain from the presence of other people. And, and here is where this great privilege comes into play. Because we will not only be able to get comfort from their presence, but our presence in heaven is going to be so much greater because we will be able to worship Jesus together. And so not only will we be reunited with the ones that we love, but with the ones that we love, we can together praise the Lord for eternity and for his salvation. And that's just such an added blessing and an added um, privilege that comes to us. So our eternal blessing comes ultimately from our meeting and worshiping Jesus. You know, I know we want to see our loved ones and we take comfort in our hope in that, but the greatest, the greatest blessing that we will have is being united with Jesus and seeing him face to face for the first time. Nothing will beat that. And our life into eternity will be the blessing of being able to worship the God who saved us and gave us that eternal life that we will be enjoying at that moment. So what an, uh, an amazing thing that is. We will, um, we will rejoice in the fact that we have been forgiven of our sins and that we have eternal life. So that's the number one thing to rejoice. In Luke chapter 10, verse 20, the disciples were sent out by Jesus. He gave them authority to heal. He gave them authority to cast out demons. And when they came back, they were excited. Can you imagine that? Imagine if we had this uh, this drive, and I said, okay, you guys, we're going out, starting tomorrow, and I want you to heal people, and I want you to cast out demons, and then we're going to meet on Saturday, and we're going to report all the things that happened. So this is what the disciples did. They went out, they did all of these things, they came back, they were excited, and Jesus says, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And so he puts into perspective, you know, how great it is to be able to heal someone and how great it is to be able to cast out a demon, but so much greater it is that our names are written in heaven. Even if I never 
heal a person, even if I never cast out a, a, an evil spirit, that my name is written in heaven is the most uh, uh, rejoicing point of it all. So praise the Lord for our salvation. Our eternal praise with our loved ones will be that Jesus saved them, he saved us, and now we have this opportunity to fellowship for eternity. That is a great thing. In uh, Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, it says, they sang a new song saying, you are worthy. So here's this praise to Jesus in Revelation 5. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us, us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So they are all together praising Jesus for having redeemed them, for having redeemed us. They're doing it together. We will rejoice together with Jesus. All right, the next question, and I, I think I have to wait till next time for this question. Will our pets be in heaven? Will our pets be in heaven? So before we get there, is there any other, uh, any questions on being reunited with our loved ones in heaven? Any questions on that, what we just talked about? Well, what a great, I mean, that, that's a great and glorious hope that we have. And it brings peace and comfort to us, the fact that we'll have this opportunity. Okay, any, anybody? So next time, will our pets be in heaven? We'll, we'll uh, talk about that. I think it's in two weeks because we have our dinner next time, right? Yeah. What age? Uh, well, you know, age is kind of relative and bound to this world and this life. So I, I think, however, whatever age I might be at, it will be that the perfect age. It will be perfect. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't know. It'll be perfect. So if you think you were perfect at 25, I might pick 25 for myself. I don't know. Maybe 30. Definitely not 57. Uh, I might pick that kind of that age. But it, I I think that's irrelevant. We, we will have a resurrected body, and it will be perfect. And it is not time bound, and it will be better than my 25 year old me. Yeah. So. The perfect age. Maybe that's better. Lois? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, a thousand generations. Yeah. That'll be fascinating to be able to look at, you know, my history and to see who in my, you know, genealogy was saved. That would be, that would be fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That would be really great. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. All right. Anybody else? Okay, so next time, will we be reunited with our pets? Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night, and I thank you, O Lord, for part of our hope, just being able to be reunited and with the ones that we love that have passed on and uh, those that we love being reunited with us after we have passed on. We thank you for that comfort and that peace that we can gain. We thank you that for all of eternity we'll be able to fellowship with one another even as we are one in you, even as we worship you and exalt you above all things. You are you are the reason for our life. You are our life. And we always give praise to you and exalt you and magnify you because of it. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.